thought the job was done. They thought it was all behind them. But sometimes, the past doesn't stay where it belongs. Now, Brad and Andrew must fight to protect all that they've built. The stakes have never been higher. And the beer has never been colder. This year, the epic continues. This is the Brew and View Podcast. This is it. Don't get scared now. Nice. Nice. Broomview podcast. Mm-hmm. Is that Home Alone? Yes. Oh, yeah. More to come on Home Alone. Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the show. You must be Mr. Brad. And we're joined. Oh, I'm sorry. You're Andrew. <laughs> I am. So, I am. I- Trampling all over to get to my, uh, my, uh, well, your guest, my guest, yes, my guest. our guest, yeah, yes. So, um, uh, my brother, my brother Aaron is coming on the podcast pretty much for the first time because the first time he tried to come on the podcast, you just trampled all over him, Andrew. I did not this podcast, but oh, yeah, um, I, back I remember Span the Void, yeah. Yeah, so he's like carrying like deep emotional scars. So like the the sound of your voice is like putting him into convulsions. I can imagine. I'm texting my therapist now. Yeah. <laughs> your therapist in Lake Winnipesaukee on vacation. <laughs> so, well, what is now? Uh, is this the podcast that people or critics are calling? Because they're. Uh, uh, <laughs> Man, wow! They're they're saying we're on top of it, and they're they're not wrong. They're out of material. Yeah, they're out of their element. 
are out of their element. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm so, uh, I'm actually on the phone with, uh, I, I'm sorry, I, I need to stop because I, I need to give you guys my full attention, but I'm on the phone with uh, Mav's legal department oh, about the new, uh, yeah, the new Eminem album. Is there, is there shit to be brought up? Uh, no. No. Uh, anyways. So anyways, um, we're, we're back. This is the, the episode before Christmas, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, like everyone in the office around Christmas time, it kind of seems like we're coasting. So yeah, we're mailing it in. My bad. This is like uh, playtime, you know. No, I'm I'm not <laughs> saying that derogatory at all. <laughs> we're we're all having fun here. That's what the podcast is. For. Sorry. Um. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm having beer. I don't know about you guys. Yes, I'm having beer as well. Yep, same here. Uh, what are you having, Andrew? I am having a Pelican Coast Utter Tugger. Um, <laughs> it's a milk it's like stout. Like a milk stout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great name. And uh, um, Master Zed was kind enough to uh, send me a bunch of beers, as listeners know, and uh, I'm I'm going through them. So uh, this one, uh, I have his uh, his cheat sheet here. It says uh, Pelican Coast beer uh, gets the job done. I haven't had the Utter Tugger, but their other beers are top notch. And uh, he uh, one of the the caveats of him uh, sending this to me was um that he wants my honest opinion and uh unfortunately this is it's not a bad beer but it's a pretty lackluster milks oh oh my gosh i'm I'm fully erect right now let him know tell him (laughs) he's he says he's fully erect let him know as am i my friend we have a uh pod bomb yeah Uh, i um Hey, boys. Hey, Ryan. Hey, How's Ryan. it going? Good. Uh, yeah, we got a... I can read his lips. I'm a, good. An extra guest host. So, Aaron, <laughs> again, gets short shrifted <laughs> on a podcast. I'm out of here, guys. Hey, it's been real. <laughs> this All is right. a bunch of crap. Aaron, we'd long love time, to have you back anytime. Ryan, take a seat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pull the chair. You want me to let your dog out or something? <laughs> no, actually, I have to go do that. So, I'm just uh, popping in, popping out. All right kind of how i roll i like it what are we working on tonight boys uh, a couple beers and some yeah. yeah yeah well i mean that's it's the broom view podcast. par for the course so i mean brews, couple views brews and views uh we're talking diner scenes diner scenes tonight ah uh, not dinner scenes yeah diner well then i will go out on this note mm. any of you fucking pricks move and i'll execute every motherfucking last one of you there you go see he just ended the episode, and we probably shouldn't do any more of it now. Sorry, you did it. Happy did holidays, it. Mr. Ryan. Nice. <laughs> That's day one uh-huh. guy right there. Anyways, <laughs> stay woke. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So um, it's a. Uh, it's kind of just a a very plain milk stout. Um, it's not. 
I, milk stout might not even be. It's just kind of a standard issue stout. It's a little creamy, but well, like milk stouts aren't supposed to be like they're, they're unless they have like peanut butter or yeah. like some kind of mint or something like that. Like there's not a whole lot you can do with a milk stout, right? Um, no, but I I think I've had better ones. Um. I personally am a big fan of the uh, left-hand nitro milk stout. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this is, this is it's kind of just a base. Like, it's they've got the stout part down. Um, I gave it a three because, like I said, it's not a bad beer, but um, it sounds like this Pelican Coast does, does a lot of stuff right. And uh, while this isn't necessarily wrong, it's just kind of uh, – it's all right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a beer, so it's, it's all right. good. It's nice. Well, nice. So, um, yeah. I well, thanks to my uh, our our uh, guest host and my brother. Um, I had a he brought me a beer tonight called Murin. Murren River. Murren River. Yeah. Murren River from Pizza Pizza Boy Brewing Company, um, which is a, a local beer. It's it's a single I B or a single IPA at seven point four, mm. uh, with no IBU to be recorded. So like Pizza Boy does a lot of uh, test stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you, you could probably speak to this more because you're you're a little bit closer to them than I am, uh, Aaron. Like they do all kinds of crazy stuff with their, yeah. Like once I went there and got a bacon IPA and it came with a slice of bacon in it. Yeah. yeah. So they're not afraid. Yeah, they're not. And and they don't like they don't stick to like one particular thing for a long particular or for a long time. And uh, this one, um, super hoppy. Um, if I if I knew my beers better, I would know the the particular hop that they had. Um, because it is very uh, prominent in in the first, like in the smell and in the taste, and um, um, it's really good. It's really, really good. But it's almost pungent. You know what I mean? Um, it's to the point where it almost overwhelms your palate. And like I've, I think, uh, what was it, a couple of months ago? I had that. Uh, I had a beer called Palate Wrecker. And it was just all hops. Yeah, and it does. It wrecks, wrecks like your sense of smell, your yeah. your sense of taste, and like you can't taste anything but hops after that. And and this beer is kind of like that. Um, really good, like right up my alley. Um, super hoppy, super good. I gave it a four point five. Um, and yeah, uh, Peace Boy is local beer. Uh, local boy done good, mm. done right. So yeah, I'm 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 happy with it. I love um, the uh, I love the name. I think that's great, Pizza Boy. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it you'd love the story of it too. I mean, it's just a like a small time guy like just that loves beer. Yeah, you know, and and made really just a, a pizza shop into like this brewery that is like not maybe not world renowned, but like definitely nation renowned. Yeah, like, people huge. like come from all over to get the beer. Yeah, and it's really cool. I I mean I feel like that stuck out in uh, Brood in the Berg, and it might just yeah. be like the name is great. I do love the name, but 
I don't know if I ever sent you that that video, Aaron. Um, there's a there's a there's a mini documentary of uh, uh, it brewed in the Berg uh, of beer making in Pennsylvania. Oh, really? and Harrisburg. No, I haven't seen it. So yeah, it's pretty good. I'm a fan. Yeah. Uh, so, Aaron, what are you drinking? I'm a little more mainstream tonight. Went with the uh, Stone Ripper. Uh, I've never had it before. It's a pale ale. It's pretty good for pale ale. I'm more of a stronger. This is a 5.7, but it's doing just fine. What? uh, Uh. What are you uh, like, Mister Brad? Here, you like the um, IPA all day, or do you mix it up? Or yeah, I go IPA as much as possible. Okay. All right. I have problems with the milk stouts and those things, but yeah. I mean, I'll go to them. But you, I, you I like the sours them. too. No, yeah, I do like you the will sours. Go to yeah, the sours. Mm. but I can only do about one of those before I'm. What's the one on. you brought down from, uh, from, uh, Massachusetts? The, oh, that was. Um, I think I talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, it's like remember. their main. Yeah. The, uh, not treehouse, not that I wanted to go there, but we didn't. Um, I forget the name of it. Yeah. Offhand. That thing. Remember, go back yeah. and listen to that episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's weird. Christmas time. Um, yeah. You know, we have we have a real good, uh, real big popular. Uh, the Trogues Brewery that's around here is probably the the most most well known and the one that like people will like. Who's the big brewery around you? And everyone around here will probably say Trogues. Mm-hmm. Um, People in the know will like go to different ones, you know, but like the one that's like the microbrew in this area is Trogues. Mm-hmm. And one of their claims to fame is their Mad, Mad Elf. And I haven't had it this year. And it's one of those like 13 percent. Um, what it's not it's not a it's it's a season it's like a a spiced seasonal yeah, it's beer. like a cherry. Yeah. Actually, they came out with a new Mad Elf this year. Uh, the ground. Grand Cru. It's really expensive, and it's <clears throat> made with a different type of cherries. Okay. Um, you can get a bottle, but it's pretty pricey. Right. I heard it tastes kind of the same, but yeah, Trillium is a. Oh, Trillium. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a that's a big uh, one of those uh, bottle seekers mm-hmm. type beers. You know. Yes. Yeah. Um, See them all over the internet, the net, as the kids are calling it. Um, nice. Uh, hmm. Anything? Anything else going on with you guys, beer-wise? Uh, not really. Aaron brought me a bunch of beers down tonight, and that's one of the ones I had. I'm gonna dive into a couple more here as the weeks go on. I think I'm gonna save them. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I know that. Um, like I said, there's those local Christmas brews that go on, you know, with the high ABV, you know. I haven't. Have you ever had an eggnog beer? No. I would Wonder try it, but I'm not really an eggnog guy. Me neither. So, negative. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely try it, though. Yeah, I'd be willing to try it for sure. But, <laughs> um, but where you can see all of our stuff that we talk about is on untapped where you can follow us at Brewview pod and i'm sorry guys my voice is i think i go through this every like six months i have a bad voice night hmm. but um 
Uh, Matty K, uh, your buddy from that lives. I really need to hook up with that dude. My boy. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, yeah. <laughs> Not like hook up, but like hook up, you know. Um, he's drinking a uh, Jack's Hard Cider <laughs> pair <laughs> from the Hauser Estate, Estate Winery, which I'm I'm a big fan of because it's not it's probably 15 miles away from my house. So that's pretty sweet. Nice. He's also having a Christmas sale from Bell's Brewery. It's pretty tight. Uh, Dave Morrow, uh, big fan. Ping or Pong Rep from Burley Oak Brewing and IPA. And um, Mr. Orange Peel's having a Hetton Ho Ho Ho. Hetton Hall Brewery. Uh, so if you are into any. Oh, and Mr. Brankar is having a lot of good stuff from Southern Tier Brewing right now. He must have got a, uh, a sampler, a Tanger, a New School IPA. I saw that the other day. I was going to buy it. But uh, yeah, if you're, um, if you're into it, come join us on. The untapped. Yes, please do. Please do. I saw something the other day um, that really bothered me, and now I, I can't really uh, cite my source, unfortunately. But it was something that was like, why, I, why I'm not selling beers anymore? And it was a guy talking about um, how he's not going to be aging beers. And I was like, well, as, Brad, as you know, I... Um, I have a small collection of beers that I'm saving and aging, and he uh, it's like, well, I got to know what's going on with this because I might disagree with this, and I might feel the need to get upset, and sure enough, I did. Um, yeah. he, he, like, went, he tracked down this beer, and he saved it, and then um, many, many months later, had it, and it wasn't good, and it was, it was something that people were raving about. But it was like a hop-forward beer that you're not supposed to age. Yeah. And so because of this, and this is, it's a guy that seemed to be running like, um, you know, may, I don't know if it's popular or not, but a lot of effort goes into this beer blog. And it's like, if you're doing, if you're out here giving this information out about beer, you should at least know that you can't just age whatever you want. So. Right, you have to do the ones that are like worth aging. Right, like the ones that are aged in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right, like it's not the drink. Like IPAs, yes. Like most of them are, well, maybe not all of them, mm-hmm. but a lot of them, like that big fruity taste. Like you're gonna lose that. Right. Yeah, and it's like if you can age it, it will tell you. Like I have a bottle of. 120 minute and it specifically mm-hmm. says on there good for aging yeah it's like i don't know so just just yesterday i was at the distributor and i saw a four pack of 120 for 37 dollars oh geez yeah it's pretty it's up there yeah it's, it's well, what, what were they like 16 bombers or no oh no they're just 12, 12 ounces. Yeah. No. yeah i mean it's like 220 a case i think yeah jeez yeah. I mean, if that's all you want to drink, it will get, it'll get you for sure. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, like for someone to say that's the reason they stopped selling their beer, like a, that's that's ridiculous, right? Right. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's limitations to it too. So I have some uh, 
I've got Bourbon County Stouts from the past three years, and um, it's they say it's at like peak flavor in five years. So I'm not going to hold on to it for ten years, fifteen years. Like if if it makes it five years, that's that's as far as it's going to go. Yeah. And what's the uh, qu- question for you guys? What's the oldest non-bottled? Um, like factory bottled beer you guys have had age-wise, like a growler or something like that, because I have a story about one. Well, that that's mm-hmm. one of the things we came up, uh, like how long does a growler last? You know, yeah. we're yeah. trying to, and um, like I'm a bad test subject for this because like I, like as soon as it's in my house, like <laughs> it's just gone. It's like the telltale heart from, yeah. you age it like Yeah, two I know it's there. It's just ticking or just fizzing. Yeah. You know, it's just waiting for me to drink it. Like I, I can't do it. But like Andrew's really good at it. Like, like he finds one he likes and he'll he'll he'll, <laughs> yeah. he'll sit on it. Yeah, I've um I've done it with a couple of dogfish beers and I've been able to notice the difference. And I think one of the things that like being patient and having your patience pay off is I think that's pretty cool. Um, in that is kind of mo- kind of motivating like i know that it's a real thing so i'm just gonna hold out hope here um, but like like for a growler oh a growler yeah. no yeah I, like that's, that's that's my funny story well okay so <laughs> yeah i mean i and there's times where i forget about the growler in the back of the fridge you know or i've had maybe two two drinks off of and then i forget about it, and then i'll go to it and i like pop it open and it there's not a good smell. I the one I had was now it was a barley wine, so little different. But my buddy forgot about it. It was I think it was from Avery Brewing. Um, he had it for I think eight years. Oh my! <laughs> and a growler. Oh my! And uh, it was a big like fifteen, sixteen percent or it, like Avery Brewing does these huge bombastic right. things and um opening it half of it just exploded mm-hmm. every, <laughs> everywhere and then uh but we we drank the rest it was a it was a it was a hot mess it, it probably went to like 20 percent and oh yeah bitter. well that's the thing i mean it was just pure alcohol yeah, yeah. like but uh i mean we drank it and we didn't die so yeah yeah oh good that is good <laughs> but yeah i i tend to go the bottle conditioned route um yeah <laughs> Yeah, this is more and, of just a challenge. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. But like, I, I don't think I've ever kept a crawler for more than a week. And I'm thinking about the last couple crawlers that I've got. Um, I've picked them up like minutes before we recorded. So, yeah. Yeah. So they don't, no, they don't last. I, I long. guess the oldest one I've ever done was a, uh, a bottle of mad dog 2020. <laughs> And it was, uh, I found it in my basement when we were remodeling our house. Mm-hmm. That was from um, my sister-in-law's, like, high school days. <laughs> and at that time was probably 15 years before. Nice. And we all indulged, and it was it was quite awful. We had a great time. Mm. Banana red. Nice. Yeah, it was banana red. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I saw... Dog Jesus. 
Mad Dog 2020. Nothing like it. All, All right. right. Um, let's get some movies. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's make the move. Peace. Mm-hmm. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Uh, I... Well, do you want me to just talk about my movie real quick? Because I don't have yeah, much I'm, to say. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid. Okay. Um, well, it's... Uh, not your fault. <laughs> it's John um, Aronofsky's fault. Yeah, it is. So I watched Mother from uh, this year, uh, written and directed by Darren Aronofsky, um, starring Jennifer Lawrence, Javier Bardem, Ed Harris, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Dom Hall Cleason, among others. Um, and uh, I just got to say that this movie is... Um, pretentious for pretentious sake and it's got a great cast and somehow Darren Aronofsky fucks it all up um <laughs> like the the uh everyone's performance is so um like uh what's his name uh Javier Bardem and Jennifer Lawrence are so like stiff and wooden like it's kind of seems like it's their first day off script like they're just Mm -hmm. kind of reciting lines and you never feel like okay i'm i'm in vested in a character in a story like it's just like this is jennifer lawrence and javier bardem rehearsing a movie great and then like um michelle pfeiffer's dialogue was just it was like very punchy it was like she would deliver it really quickly, like, I got to get through this. And then, I don't know, it just, it it bothered me. And those don't seem like artistic choices to me. Um, and I mean, I'm not alone. I've, I've, I actually, I don't typically do this, but I, I went to the IMDb uh, message boards and uh, was looking at user reviews and uh, there's some really funny ones. And uh there's a lot of one out of tens and two out of tens. And then of course there's the, the, the 10 out of tens and you know, the, yeah, but those are very few and far between. Uh, my favorite one was, uh, my God, mother is one hell of a film. And the, his, uh, opening sentence is first of all, please don't watch this film. If you have trouble understanding metaphors and symbolism. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. It's like a dick. It could be called Metaphor the Movie. Yeah. I, is from what the reviews I've heard, because I've heard like probably six different people talk about this, mm-hmm. and I've heard like six different opinions. Like, and like, and most of them are like, I think it was about this. I, and that was it. Like, there was no definitive, like, uh, way to explain it. I just, I honestly don't think anything of this movie. Um, I, I didn't even give it a rating. Um, I really, yeah, I can't I mean, even the, it's kind of cool. It was shot on 16 millimeter and it does have that kind of, that kind of warm feel that you get from film versus the, the crispness of digital, which when you watch a lot of movies that are shot on digital every now and then switching it up, you kind of almost, I don't know if nostalgic's the right word, but it's just kind of there's a warmth to 
to it on screen. Um, but the camera work was just so awful. It was like, um, it was like shaky cam, but instead of like one camera, it was just tons of cuts. And it's just like, yeah. Okay. So honestly, um, yeah, if you're, if you're interested, feel free, but, um, Darren Aronofsky, get over yourself. Like, I, it's just, this is not, um, this was not a good movie, and I don't understand. Like the people who are um, online defending it are doing all these sort of, you know, um, acrobatics to convince you that you're not worthy of this movie, and all mm. this gatekeeping of if you don't understand symbolism. No, I get symbolism, but symbolism itself doesn't. Symbolism and allegories don't make movies good. Look yeah, you have to have a story around right. it, and then yeah, like and wrap it in it. Superman is a Jesus allegory. We've seen mm -hmm. plenty of bad Superman movies. Yeah, and no one's but, rushing to say like, whoa, whoa, "Don't don't watch the DC Extended Universe if you have trouble with symbolism <laughs> and metaphors." <laughs> so only watch that if you have trouble getting laid. Yeah, or or if you have a successful podcast and you need a couple hours away from getting laid. <laughs> not bad not bad that stinks I, I was hoping for something like um yeah i heard a, a couple different reviews yeah. on this just as far as like you know there's something here but i just don't know what it is and that's pretty much the the consensus of it that's the and problem like, is there's nothing there it's a frame of a movie it just right. hasn't been filled in and uh i i think Everybody um, who listens, Brad, you know, like I, I hate having things spelled out for me. I want the I, I want um, directors and writers and, and actors to trust their audience. And this is yep. just one of those cases where it's like too there, much. There's it's not even that. It's just that there's nothing for us to fill in. There's nothing to work with because this is just such a, a husk of a movie. Mm -hmm. So. I don't, yeah. I don't know about Aronofsky. I might be, I might be done. I haven't seen Black Swan though, and that's that's his biggest like mainstream hit. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, Requiem for a Dream is pretty Requiem big. for a Dream. Yeah, I think that's kind of a. I don't know if it's a cult following or just or if it is a big movie. But. I, I mean, that put him on a map. You know, yeah. I, I think um, you know uh, uh, Black Swan gave him legitimacy. Mm -hmm. As far as like you know the Oscars and all that crap, but yeah, um, you know like there's some people that have kind of a disdain for popularity or uh, disdain for notoriety, maybe mm -hmm. you know, and like hey, I'm here as an artist or yeah, I'm an auteur, and have disdain for their their uh, audience, and that that's that's a shitty thing. Yeah, yeah. you know, it like exists. you're there to entertain us. Yeah, you're not, you know, yeah. if you're gonna. And entertaining you know, and doesn't have to mean like I don't need a bunch of explosions or anything like that. But you gotta, you have to do something. You can't just, you can't just be. I I don't know filming for the sake of filming and then throwing it out there and having your, you know, Darren Aronofsky apologists and conspiracy theorists talking about how everyone else didn't get it. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. I mean it's. Um, I'd rather, I'd rather you, well, I mean, yeah, like 
it's hard to say because like i i love like when an artist um like embraces himself like um what's his name inurito i i started watching the revenant again yeah. and i shit on the revenant a couple months ago or a month or two ago about like i think i'm gonna remember the hateful weight more than i will the revenant mm-hmm. and within the first 20 minutes or probably the fi- first 15 minutes i just realized what a, a craftsman this guy was yeah and like and and really an artist um as far as filmmaking goes and, and shots and all that stuff goes and um it it's like it's fantastic but like and you know i'm sure there's metaphors and all that kind of stuff going on and, and yeah. stuff that's over my head and stuff he wanted to portray but you know not all that stuff lands sometimes and right. um you have to have something not for everybody, but like something that we can, people can like grab onto and not grasp onto. Yeah. You know, I think Aronofsky is someone, Darren Aronofsky is something you have to grasp for to try to embrace. Yeah. Where an, an Inuritu or a Tarantino is something you can grab onto. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Requiem. I like Pie. Um, I like, uh, the fountain's okay, um, but I don't know. It, it just, yeah, uh, yeah, bummer. Not if I know, but I, not a I not a good recommending film, I guess. No, it's okay. I mean, it's it's that's part of the process. You got to find. No, but as far know. as recommending it to oh, other no, people, oh no, I wouldn't recommend it to other people. All right. I, I will finish my beer. Well, um, just, you had me watch a movie just, where I kind of pushed you in. Or, sorry. Just tell me it gets better. Uh, kinda, <laughs> kinda. Um, I recommended you recommend me a movie yeah. called Mudbound. Yeah. It's streaming on Netflix right now. It's from Netflix. Next, Netflix original. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the big actors in this are Carrie uh, uh, Mulligan and Jason Clark, who you would know from uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Um, I think one of the Terminator movies. Um, he's like, uh, oh, he's going to come up later on one of my lists, but um, he's one of the. One of those guys you recognize. And then uh, Jonathan Banks, mm-hmm. who we all know is uh, uh, Mike from Breaking Bad. Yes. Uh, and then um, a bunch of other people. Uh, Mary J. Blige is in this, which was really good. It was really fascinating. Um, so anyways, uh, this movie, and I apologize already because my voice is just going to hell right now. You know, too much podcasting. Yeah, I get it. Um, uh, so Mudbound from 2017 from Netflix, uh, directed by Dee Rees, uh, known for Mudbound and a couple other things. Um, this is, I think, her biggest thing. Um, <clears throat> so this movie takes place during, like, before, during, and after World War Two, And it... it um, follows two families in the deep south uh one one black one white 
and the small town uh like uh, and maybe i don't know if you would recognize this andrew but i know aaron and i would recognize it is that the the small town issues that override like the rest of the world's uh issues at the time hmm. so while this you know world war ii is going on we still have like very bad segregation in the south right and um so um each one of these families has a child that goes off and fights in this war and then comes back. So a black a soldier and a white soldier come back and, and for, for lack or not for lack of a term, but for all intents and purposes, they're heroes mm-hmm. and they come back and they still get bogged down in the small town in like mundane things of, of, uh, of day-to-day life, mm-hmm. regardless of what they've and um, um, it's it it's it's really depressing, uh, but well done. Uh, it it is. There's no way I could watch this again. It's two hours and fourteen minutes. I gave it a seven. It's worth the watch of some really good acting. Um, this is the first time I was really exposed to Carrie Mulligan um, and knew who she was. I mean, she's from a, an ev- education. She's from Shame, mm-hmm. um, uh, the future. Sorry. Um, I, I mean, she's a she's a known actor, but this is the first time I really saw her act act and. Um, and um yeah, I'm sorry guys, my voice if you guys can't understand me. Um Garrett uh Headlam is amazing in it. Uh the acting is really good. Uh Jonathan Banks is great. And um but it's it's a hard watch. It's like do I really want to get dragged down into this like depressing and like okay, this is our his- our nation's history. And like this is someone beating us over the head and saying yes. We were a racist country for a long, long, long time. And they're beating us over the head, beating us over the head. And for many people, they're be like, they're going to turn away from this movie and say, I'm done with it. I don't want any more of this. I've heard enough of it from the last, just the last couple months, you know, let alone watching a movie about it. But it's a worthwhile movie because it does expose that kind of stuff. And um, it, it, it makes it, uh, it's real. It feels real. And Mary J. Blige. Like, I didn't even know she was in this until I read the IMDb stuff right now. And, like, she was amazing in it. Um, there's some really good acting in this. And Jonathan Banks is just this crotchety old racist, like, KKK guy. Mm-hmm. It's ruthless. And it's it's um, uh, some really good acting. But the story drags. And it is not rewatchable. But it is definitely a recommendable watch if you really... If you're in a mood to like kind of beat yourself up as a white guy in this country, I guess, then then go ahead and have at it. <laughs> have fun, buddy. <clears throat> All right. So yeah, not bad. <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, you said this was a Netflix original. It's been getting some like looks, hasn't it? As far as awards, I, I think so. I think people are kind of pushing for Oscar stuff, but I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think this is the Netflix one that's going to get uh, nominated. There's one that just came out. What was it? Um, God damn it! Oh shit! Can't remember. There's one that just came out that is going to be the Netflix one that gets nominated. But I can't remember. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Gary. Hey. Uh, yeah. Aaron, you yep. watch any movies? No, I'm unprepared for tonight. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of last minute, so sorry. Are you big timing us right now? We booked you months ago. No. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um. Uh, I did watch a couple other good movies. Okay. I don't know if you have anything else. Um, and, yeah. So what am I going to do? Talk more because my voice is shit. So here we go. Um, I got to watch Home Alone with my son. Yes. Which is great. Um, and <laughs> we sat through. I forgot how long it takes to, like, the hijinks to ensue. Yeah. And it's not till like, the last 15 minutes of the film. And he kept looking at me and looking at me. And we watched this in probably, I think, three different sittings. Until um, he, like, he was like, when are they going to fight? When are they going to fight? And finally, when they did fight, he like his face lit up and he laughed out loud. He lolled. Um, <laughs> and it, it, made me, it made it worth it because, um, yes, the, the, uh, uh, the hate crimes or the war crimes that uh, Kevin McAllister portrayed on on to uh, on Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci. Yeah, Wet Bandits. Um, uh, so he loved it, and it was great to watch with him. Um, nice. I watched the. So you remember I had you watch um, uh, Bone Tomahawk? Yes. Yeah. All right. So the, that director came out with a new movie called. Brawl and Cell Block 99. Yeah, and I've heard nothing but good things about that one. Yeah, I watched it. Nice. I had to buy it on Amazon, so uh, it's not a rental, not a streaming thing. Um, it was pretty damn good. Nice. Now, you know how um, Bone Tomahawk goes from a Western to a straight-out gore movie? like yes. a Like a horror yeah. movie? Absolutely. This... this follows the same kind of thing it goes it has it goes from well here's what it goes from it just it's a it's a really really good movie and it it goes from one thing to another um in the third act but uh if you can just stay on board i think people that i think you'll enjoy it Everyone listen will enjoy it. It's it's interesting. You you won't you won't look at Vince Vaughn the same way. Not necessarily a bad thing. No. Nice. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that really that came out not too long ago, so that's cool that um, I guess you had to purchase it, but you know yeah. that it's readily available already. Because I had been hearing a lot of good things about it, um, but as I think we've talked about a lot. There's always a constant stream of movies coming into and onto our radar, 
and things just get lost in the shuffle. So the quicker something's available on streaming, the more likely I am to see it, whether uh, it be something I was really looking forward to that I just missed in theaters or uh, if it's, uh, you know, something like that that probably wasn't playing a lot of places. So hopefully it makes a jump, but uh, I'm glad you liked it. It's definitely on my radar. I got to take a timeout real quick. Okay. We'll be RB. All right. So um, any anything else? I really did not watch. Um, my girlfriend's mom was in town, and they were watching The Crown a lot. And huh. the main actress is literally looking at her face as one of the top ten most boring experiences one person will have in their life. So I, <laughs> I didn't stick hmm. around for that. Um so I didn't get to watch much. Mother was the only movie I watched this week. Any, uh, you guys watch anything else lately? I got sucked into Shawshank the other night by accident. Well, I mean, there's no accident yeah, there. I know, but it's, 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 it's meant to do like, that. Uh, <laughs> Oops, it's on now. Yeah. I, uh, the only other thing I watched was uh, Christmas Vacation with my eldest daughter, and she liked it a lot. Mm. She did? Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> I know. Brooke, Brooke had Brad, it on the other Brad night when we went niece. to bed. And I found myself laughing at one or two points. I was so pissed at myself because I hate that fucking movie so much. <laughs> Why? Yeah, uh, I do just... want to get into your vitriol for it because I <clears throat> I understand. Like, Vacation is far superior. Yeah, like, Agreed. not even, yes. like, in the same category as far yes. as movies. However... Like it's it's caricatures. I mean, not that those pe- people weren't caricatures in the first right. vacation, but like it got to the point where it was like almost like ludicrous, and this is what they're supposed to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't know. I'm like I. God, I wish I, I had some ludicrous queued up. I'm so I, yeah. I'm sorry. I have well, to say I'm that. Sure, out loud. I'm sure you will at some <laughs> point in this episode. <laughs> oh. Um, but like I I don't know, man. Like. I find it like it's almost trite. It's it's I don't know. It's like not like you laugh at it. Like I'm not saying you laugh at it. I'm saying the royal you yes. laugh at it just because you know it's coming. Right. Um, you know, in like the like the 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 burnt cat. You know, with the outline, like not funny. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> You're describing <laughs> it is pretty funny. <laughs> it's funny because it's so unbelievably not you know it's, that's but what, that's what made vacation so funny yeah I, it, because well, don't of, compare it, it felt so real like every little yeah. thing that could go wrong went wrong mm-hmm. and it felt real like you put the dog on the back of the and you just put him on the bumper and go for it yeah i'm not oh, comparing no. it to vacation that's poor little guy by far probably cut, movie. kept up for a couple miles <laughs> it's uh yeah, I think that it's um, one of those things where it's like a uh, you have a good movie and then you have like this, uh, s- you know, studios kicking around this like straight to DVD release um, just because they've got these people on retainer. Or, or they got to do something. Um, but I don't like I don't think that it's a atrocious or, or like well, I mean, a, an the whole to... like putting the the spray thing on the bottom of your saucer sled mm. like stupid that that's dumb <laughs> yeah like and it burns the bottom of it out huh yeah that's clever no it's not clever 
Yeah, but I think they were when they were making it. Let's hey, let's make this as stupid as possible. Well, maybe to get people to laugh at it. I guess. I guess. And I do love stupid. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I just I don't know. I I find the love for it, and this is maybe one of those things where I, like I'm going against the grain. Where yeah. I'm like, no, I I understand that, and I, like everyone's like, oh, <laughs> shitter's full. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things where they can really like, um, they can really like sink their claws into it, and and like this is like, oh, I can enjoy something raunchy with my family and around the holiday time, like I don't know type type yeah. of thing. Is it the Blackhawks jersey that gets you mad? Is that oh it? yeah, <laughs> it makes me real mad. Yeah, and the cutting in like the chainsaw onto the null post, like. There's no sawdust going on. I mean, it's just so fake. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's it's no truth in right, art. Right. <clears throat> um, I I I understand the slapstickiness of it. I get for sure, but I do think there's a there's some some pretty funny lines in there, and obviously, uh, I, I got did a find great writer laughing at, and mad at myself for laughing at them. Yeah, I mean, when you got exactly. a a master like uh, John Hughes at work, so you know, can't be mad at that. But well, no, I, I mean, totally... you can't go wrong. If you want a good, good Christmas movie, watch Home Alone. I mean, yeah. that's a good John Hughes mm-hmm. joint. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we need to start a petition petition to rename all his his movies. Joints. John Hughes joints. Posthumously. Yeah. Uh, Posthum jointless me. Lost it there. Sorry about that. That's all right. It's all right. You tried. Gave it your best. It's really all we ask of you. But Yeah. Well, I did watch one more movie, mm-hmm. and it was Dunkirk. Mm. And that's the movie I'm going to be assigning to you on Fredo Flicks. Nice. Um, just a little hint. Yeah. Just a little hint. I loved it. Okay. Good to know. And so yeah, based on your and view, I know there's looking there's like three movies out this year, like uh, Our Darkest Hour. I think I think Gary Oldman's probably going to get his first Oscar this year for that, nice. from what I hear. Um, and then there's a documentary on on Dunkirk. Hmm. There's like there's Dunkirk Overload. So yeah. I want to get into that next week with you. Definitely looking forward to it. Um, I've got. Uh, wait, what do I got? Oh, Aaron has one for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. for us. For Yes. Yeah. I, I guess we're going to be trying to hit. Hey, hit we're, we're a team here. That's true. That is facts on facts on facts. Um, Aaron, why don't you go ahead? Sure. It's the, uh, the, the survivalist uh, streaming on Netflix. All right. Yeah. Enjoy. How how did you like it? Um, tell us tell us how you how you sold it to us earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I forget exactly what I said. But, uh, I my you... my uh, recommending you watch this movie does not necessarily mean that I liked or disliked or agreed with the movie itself. So you can just watch. But it's one of those. You I think you said you hated it, but you couldn't quit watching. Yeah, exactly. So at the end of the day, it's a good movie. Yeah, right? you know what I mean. So did you watch the whole thing? Do you get something out of it? Uh, I think maybe. Yeah, maybe. 
I don't want to ruin it for you. Okay. <laughs> does he does he get through? Does he survive? I'm not gonna say. All right. I can't say. Fair enough. Um I got one for you, Aaron. Okay. Streaming or yeah, streaming on Amazon. Uh Green Room. Got it's one that I, I'm sure you've heard us recommend it many times on the podcast so far. I heard you talking about it about twenty minutes ago, yeah. Yeah. Uh Green Room. Uh fascinating. Cool. Little neo Nazi action going on. Before it was cool. Uh, yeah, before it was cool. <laughs> uh, that is funny to so, think about. That was, this movie came out in 2015, so. Yeah. <laughs> what was? It was after, before it was cool. Um, what a world. What a world we're in. Anyways. Um, so, the... Uh, Survivalist is on Netflix, and Brad Greenroom uh, is uh, is on Amazon. Dunkirk, as we mentioned, is not streaming for for the layman. Well, you can buy it if you want to. Yeah, if you want to support the arts. Um, but if you want to wait for our uh, our reactions to those. Before you go diving into something, because you trust us and you know we wouldn't, we wouldn't steer you wrong. Uh, perhaps we have some stuff to recommend to the, to the viewers at home. Yeah. Um, I got one for the peeps. Mm-hmm. Uh, streaming on the or was it Netflix or Amazon? I can't remember. Damn it. Damn it. I think it's Amazon or Netflix. We can all cut this out. <laughs> it's, and we, it's one of those. Yes, it's one of those, but it's Rocky. Yes. Um, uh, I think it's on Netflix. I I uh, but if you haven't watched the original Rocky, mm-hmm. and I, I would imagine, like, there's, I mean, most people have, right? It's on Amazon right now. Um, so for most people, you've probably watched Rocky. But if you haven't, like, Rocky has turned into something like totally different than what it was originally intended for. Right. It's a fascinating movie. It's entertaining. It's um, there. It's slow and plotting at times. Like it's, it's of its age. It's 1976, I think 70. Yeah. 1976. So, I mean, it's also old as I am. Mm -hmm. And, um, um and and like me, it's slow and plotting, but ha- packs a punch at the end. <laughs> and uh, it's it's worth it, man, because it it is um not not directed by Sylvester Stallone, but written by him, mm-hmm. and um just a just a great watch. Uh, the the not probably not the first underdog story, but one one of the most iconic underdog stories. Yeah, definitely, and. And definitely worth a watch. I mean, it's it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, and I think if you uh, erase all sequels, that's still a relevant pop culture character. I think that's oh, the sure. Im- the impact of this movie is so strong because it's just an incredibly well told story, and you know everyone everyone loves an underdog, and uh, yeah, I think this. Um, yeah, if you, if even if it didn't have any sequels, this movie would still be relevant. Yeah, yeah. So check that out. Yeah, um, I'm not going to break any new ground. I think last year it was streaming on Amazon, 
uh, this year it's streaming on, on Netflix. 1984, Gremlins. Hmm. Yeah, I, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, I'm myself, admittedly, not breaking any new ground, but t- well, tis the one season. Of the, one of the most guys. awkward, like, downer scenes of a comedy. Hmm. Which one? With Phoebe Cates, like, explaining oh, how her dad died. Her dad died. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, it's it's like it's one of those things where it's like I didn't know what I was watching as a kid, and now like the movie just feels so tongue in cheek that it doesn't feel like uh, like it's aged really. Like I feel like I've I've found there's just this uh, I don't know maybe I just have an irrational love for it, but I'm willing to admit that. Whatever happened to Zach Gillian? Uh, he's working on Gremlins three. <laughs> he was he, he was in Gremlins two, and then uh, got straight straight to work on Gremlins three. I think. I mean, I really like, don't know if he's done anything else. Well, let's find out. Um, oh, he's got a pretty pretty big filmography. I mean, he's been working. I mean, he's worked as uh, American Bigfoot. Oh yeah, uh, I can't believe I was, forgot that. Yeah, shoot, I'm embarrassed. He was Detective Benson. Witness three. Hmm. Uh, hmm. I don't see Gremlins three, and this this bothers me. It could be cool to have a Gremlins here now, like with all the like good CGI and like if you have like yeah. some like director like not I mean I'm, Christopher Nolan is like a top of mind right now because I watched Dunkirk, but like if you get like a Joss Whedon or you know someone that like could embrace that yeah um, genre like and could like get into it and make it fun mm-hmm. but creepy, we oh. could have fun with that. Well. Uh, good news. Uh, August 15th, 2000, uh, 2017. That would be this year. Gremlins 3 has a twisted and dark screenplay, says writer Chris Columbus. <gasps> Speaking of, he directed Home Alone. He did. There you go. Yes. It all comes back around to Chris Columbus. Yes. He discovered this place. Yes, he did. Same guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. Yeah, if you guys wanna wanna uh, watch some movies with us, we're gonna be reviewing next week Dunkirk and The Survivor List. But right away, you guys can just go ahead and watch Rocky and Gremlins, probably back to back, both real good, feel good creature features mm-hmm. for the holidays. Yeah. Mm. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Neat. So, should we do dinner yeah. scenes? Yeah, diner, dinner, diner. Yes. <laughs> so Andrew, I was like, "What do we? Should, what should we do this week?" He's like, oh, I was sitting down, and the way I read it, it was like, "I'm sitting down and having dinner right now." I'm like, maybe we should do dinner scenes. I was like, "We just did dinner scenes." <laughs> this could be the uh, breakfast food talking, but I think we should do dinner scenes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, obviously, I misread. I, I dropped the N. 
Not not a good thing to drop. <laughs> no. Nope. You don't, you don't want to lose your job around Christmas time. <laughs> and then after I got mm-hmm. uh, run out of town. Yeah. Drop the end, but you, and you lost picked my up job. on the hard R at the end there. Great. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're doing diner scenes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that was that really was my inspiration as I had sat down at the uh, counter at the uh, diner that I love and take all my guests to. And uh, it's like, I, and you had asked me what I wanted to do previously, like the night before. And I was like, oh shit, I didn't text him back. <laughs> what about diner scenes? Mm-hmm. So that's the inspiration for this list. I guess we could have tried a little harder to do something holiday related, but everyone else uh, is I tell you what that. though, this, this is a rich, rich topic. It is. Like, there's so many diner scenes. There's so many. Absolutely. And I, like, it's hard. Like, I, I tried very hard not. I was, because I know, I think I know your sensibilities, mm-hmm. Andrew, and I know I know An- or Andrew, A- Aaron's. There's too many A's in here. A- A- I'm going to A- drop an N again. And <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I, I try to stay away from what I thought you guys might put in for diner scenes. Yeah, because like I think, well, not every good movie has, because ev- I think every good movie has a good dinner scene, mm-hmm. but a lot of, a lot of those good movies have good diner scenes. Sometimes and, they're um, having dinner at that time. I'm anxious to, to get into it. So why don't we? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I I um, I definitely d- I didn't shy away from. I thought there were some that were probably just layups on everyone's list, but I was like. You know what? I'm excited to talk about them. So that was kind of how I built my list. But yep. since we have a special guest, and uh, even though he's been eating up a lot of the uh, the audio, dropping a lot of sound bites, Aaron, why don't you start us off? Drop. Yeah. All right. Just that don't drop good. any ends. Yeah. It's a family show I was, for fun. I went sake. more of a instead of top five. I was trying to break it out by a type of movie, you know, comedy, action. Kind of trying to find my top one of those, okay. and I'll I'll start with one of those. Um, I like that. Um, Natural Born Killers, diner scene. Okay, next. Uh, Mickey, Mickey and Mallory, uh, kill everyone basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I mean, it's um, you get uh, Oliver Stone, mm-hmm. written by Tarantino. Yes, this movie was written by Tarantino. Guy loves and, diner scenes. And like, it's the I think it's it's the opening scene of the movie, right? I mean, it's um, I don't recall honestly. I don't think it is it. I I don't know. It's pretty close to the beginning, and it's you know Mickey with long hair and and Mallory and a it's it's almost it almost is almost reminiscent of the opening scene of Pulp Fiction, where you know they're just sitting there talking. Everything's cool. Everything's cool. Then everything's not cool. Right. Yes. Yep. Yes. And um, and you get a, a a full fleshing out of the the characters and what they're all about. Yeah. Like really? right away. Yeah. 
All right. Um, I'm um, actually going to wait, Aaron. What else? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. I'm so sorry. Um, I mean, do you want me, me to go through all mine right now? Or no, 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 no. We're no, going to no. bounce each other. All right. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's all. That's my that one. All right. I, I'm going to piggyback on that um, because uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino um, wrote that one, whatever it is, uh, Natural Born Killers, sorry. And uh, my, my number five is uh, the opening scene of Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, it's probably the quintessential one, right? Yeah. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yes. <laughs> it's quintessential Tarantino. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, it really is, though, quintessential Tarantino because it is all about um, that's that's how he draws his characters. Um, you learn a lot about them, not through um, exposition, but through conversation. Um, and he, he introduces his group of guys and uh, they're what are they talking about? Um, fuck. Uh, like a virgin. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, just like, you know, funny, <laughs> I guess, locker room talk. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely locker room. Yeah, Grab him by the puss. Yeah. Just locker room talk. Dick, 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 dick. And then this John Holmes <laughs> dick, looking dick, motherfucker. Dick, 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 dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you just get um, just the sharp writing and, uh, you see that Tarantino has the ability to give um, all of his characters unique voices. And there's, um, there's, I really think that that's something that is not stressed enough um, because there's a lot of thing. There's a lot of those, there's a lot of good writing, but um, a lot of good writers who have difficulty giving each character individual voices where it's kind of like they, the writer has their style and that's how everyone in this universe speaks. And that is absolutely not the case with Tarantino. He's to, to borrow a, a term, um, fleshes people out. He's able to flesh all of his characters out. And I think that this is just one of the greatest examples of that from one of my favorite directors. So. What's interesting too, is that like with him, like this is his first directed film. Yes. And he is the main character of this scene. Mm-hmm. And like you never see him for the rest of the movie, yeah. And like it's and it's weird because like he puts himself front and foremost, mm-hmm. and he's like, and then after that he's just a afterthought, right? And and I don't like how like how do you have the balls to sit around with that cast of characters or mm-hmm. actors and sit and like you have to direct yourself from the chair like around the table. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that takes some balls. You know what I mean? And it takes, um, like, to, to be able to pull off that scene because that's the opening. That's how everything sets off of this movie. It's such a, I mean, it's gruesome and, 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 and uh, vulgar and all the yeah. things that, you know, people kind of shy away from. But, like, for us, I mean, I think we all love this movie. Yeah. Um, but, like, to have the balls to sit and be the main star in the first scene of your first movie. Yeah. And then, and then let it go from there. Like, how mm-hmm. did you direct yourself? You know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. I've you know? never thought about it like that, but yes, it's very ballsy. 
and it is quintessential like LA diner like not that I've been it's this is all from movies but that's what I think of is like a group of guys in in cigarette smoke and in uh locker room talk <laughs> it's just <laughs> such a ridiculous phrase uh yeah. cigarette smoke and locker room talk so but that's crazy yeah I never really thought about like this is his directorial debut he's front and center and he's got a great cast of actors around him they all have to listen to him yeah kind of meta it is because uh when he's behind the camera they all have to listen and to he him. never acted that good since i mean maybe uh, seth in in uh uh what's that uh, from dust of dawn he was okay yeah. in that. he's uh, other he, than that like he was fine in pulp fiction um he he seemed a little too eager to drop some ends. But, yeah. Well, you know. But I think um, Samuel L. Jackson said something. I was going to say, once. not that there's nothing wrong with that, but there's a lot of stuff that's wrong yeah. with that. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Samuel L. Jackson said something interesting once, um, and obviously they're friends. Um, they've been working together for so long now. He, he said, Quentin Tarantino... Um, you can point to A, B, and C, but he couldn't be racist because I'm always the smartest character in his movies. Why would he let a black guy be the smartest character in his movies if he was racist? Yeah, unless he was trying to hide it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a little suspicious that a black guy plays the smartest guy in all mm-hmm. of his movies. How many smart black guys are in L.A.? Yeah, we know better than that. Uh, sorry. All right. Speaking of, well, no, I'm like, <laughs> uh, speaking of smart black guys, my number five. There's a diner scene in radio. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, from 2001, um, a great introduction to two characters, um, uh, directed by. Uh, Antoine Fuqua and direct or write it, written by David Iyer, um, Training Day. Yeah, where we we first get the introduction between um, Ethan Hawke and uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Or no, now, <laughs> <God damn it>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Denzel L. Washington. Sorry. <laughs> Um, uh, so one of my favorite movies uh, probably my top 15 movies of all time Training Day Um, just a great um, it's a it's a it's a they meet in the in the diner they're eating breakfast Mm -hmm. and Ethan Hawke's character um, uh, Jake is trying to talk to Alonzo and trying to put his best foot forward, but Alonzo just shuts him down at every, every, every time he tries to say something. Yeah. And it's just a, um, it's, it's a great scene. And, um, and, and from what I understand that, uh, Denzel Washington pretty much directed this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, he was at the height of his power and, and, it, it's just him being uh, chewing up the scene, but in a good way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Just 
just a great, great scene. That um, uh, that would make sense because uh, Fuqua has never really reached those training day heights again. So no. But yeah, he um, it is he's he's so in control of the scene. He sets the tone. He um, he uh, chooses what details Ethan Hawke uh divulges he he you know he he steers the narrative in this and it's uh yeah yeah it's it's awkward it's yeah. it's uh you know who's in charge yeah it's great and, foreshadowing too is he's yeah, he's sure. in control and he steers the narrative so yeah awesome scene i've this used to be one of my go-tos like for um like if i i was just at home had nothing to do through on training day yeah i'm a, like i found out like through um through watching a lot of the clips for 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 the, the research for this i like mm-hmm. i'm a sucker for la like dirty gritty la mm-hmm. like crime stuff yeah i mean louisiana is all three of those things yeah la baby la <laughs> No, uh, absolutely. That's, um, yeah, there's something about a diner too, that diners are kind of, it's, uh, it's a family establishment, but there's, um, so many people pass through there and it's just one of those things where it's like most of the, you know, 99% of the time, nothing's wrong, but that 1% of the time, something interesting is going on. And that's, I think that's, um, what makes it such a great backdrop for, for movies, for, um, uh, I was going to say dramas, but I'm thinking that, you know, I've got a couple comedies on my list too. So, yeah. Well, and also it may be even a crutch, you know, it's an easy way to, you know, get the characters to sit down and talk, you know, and, and develop them. Right. You know, like sit down at a diner, like how many, like it's an easy place to go to. Yeah. But I mean, you could do that too at at a bar and a restaurant. It's just a diner seems to there. Like a diner scene is, it's specific. I yeah, don't know. I don't know. I, I I don't know if I'm, I'm uh, expressing myself well enough. Oh well, yeah, you're not there to drink. The synapse. You're there to eat. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So. Uh, so Aaron, you're number four. Uh, actually, I'm not the one you're weird one through five. Sorry. Okay. Remember, I'm this is I'm I switched to comedy now. I can't okay. work like this. <laughs> um, it you know with this one I I was trying to stay away from all the, the like you said Andrew the you know, the ones on the on the plate that everyone would say but I couldn't get away from the uh, the one starring Mr. Seabass and Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> I just can't like I just from a comedy pers- it's, perspective. I mean, it's just it's yeah. It's right there. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you get uh, Lloyd and what? Harry and Lloyd. Harry and yeah. Lloyd, yeah. Sitting down and they um, they run into Cam Neely for some reason. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, the whole scene is just, it's great. It's objectively brilliant. I'm not a huge yeah. Dumb and Dumber fan. That was one of those that, like, I missed the boat on. So I saw it after everyone else thought it was amazing. I I put, like, five years between that and then saw it. I was like, eh, I don't know. But the diner scene is excellent. Yeah. 
Uh, what's, that what guy over there is sea bass. Um, nice. I like it. I I actually I have a uh, comedy for you too, um, but it is a parody. It is one of the closing scenes in 1987's Spaceballs. Really? Yes. Wow. Barf and Lone Star uh, go to uh, a space diner to have some space chili, and John Hurt, for the second time in his career, has a uh, an unexpected guest pop out of his chest. And, um, <laughs> of course it does. Yeah. Me as a youth thought that that was just the height of comedy. It's like, it's the guy from alien in a diner. I probably didn't say in a diner. It's the guy from <laughs> alien <laughs> dying because of an alien in a different movie. That's comedy, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but it is. It's. Uh, it might not be the the uh, greatest example of of parody done right, but it is one that immediately stuck out to me, and uh, <laughs> it's just. Um, I love this movie. I don't know how you guys feel about this movie, but yeah, yeah, it's the, it's mm-hmm. the Christmas vacation of Star Wars parodies. Yes. For you. <laughs> No, it's the Christmas vacation of uh, Mel Brooks. Parody. <sighs> mm, I don't know. History of the World Part One. Mm, well, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Uh, why hasn't he made a movie in a long while? Oh, because he's like eighty-nine years old. <laughs> right, but it's I'm 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 saying though it's been a it's, long it, it's he's while. long overdue. You're yeah. right. <laughs> Yeah, it's not so much that like I don't know if he's he's up to the task now, but I was watching. Uh, what was I watching? Oh, he had like a bit part in uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and I was like, where the hell has he been? Yeah. So. I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think we're ready for that right now. I mean, we're at a point in time where everything's so right sensitive and, yeah i mean if like, you go back and watch blazing sandals blazing sandals, yeah blazing, bla- sandals. blazing sandals the uh yeah. story of uh jesus yeah the christ <laughs> <laughs> the passionate christ yeah um it's been 95 was his last movie hmm. and it was dracula dead and loving it so Eesh. 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 Oh wow! But before that was Robin Hood Men in Tights, and that was '93. The young Dave kind of like that. I like that movie a lot. Yes, my name's Little John, but don't be confused. I'm very big. <laughs> I had no problems with that movie. <laughs> no, no I liked problems. It. Uh, uh, my number four. I'm I'm going to stay away from Aaron's crazy. Yeah, what uh, is it with is catalog. it a, is it a uh, is it genetic? <laughs> like you guys can't follow simple one through five. Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> no. We're, my, we're my, constantly at odds. We're butting heads. My three A yeah. and three B. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, from uh, two thousand five, written uh, or no, I'm sorry, not written to directed, but directed by David Cronenberg, a history of violence. Uh, so it's one of the openings, not the opening scene, but it's an, an opening scene uh, where 
the two bad actors come in to the diner where Vigo Mortensen is working, and um, and we get a little taste of what uh, he can do or what he's all about, and we get a little taste of uh, uh, what's his name, um, the guy I talked about earlier who was in doesn't matter, um, but we see. So it's a, a nice, peaceful diner in a Midwest town, and two bad actors come in, and he takes care of them succinctly hmm. and uh, puts his name on the map because he now is known. Uh, and the history of violence is, um, I think, a little overrated, but I still really like it. I, I think people really think this movie is a great movie. I think it's a good movie. Um uh, Viggo Mortensen is really, uh, uh, you know, plays that subtle role. And I think Ed Harris is so good as the, like the evil bad guy. Mm-hmm. But then in the third act, it kind of just kind of devolves into, I don't know. I'll put myself in that category of great movie. Oh, in yeah? my opinion. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely good. I, yeah. I, I, I like it a lot. And the, the sex scenes with, uh, uh, Bella, her name Bella or Maria Bello. Yeah, pretty hot. Hmm. But uh, so I'm not here. hot. We're not here to about talk about um, sex. We're here to talk mm. about diners mm-hmm. and uh, breaking a coffee pot over a guy's head to defuse the situation <laughs> is one way to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, nice, nice, nice. Aaron, your number. <laughs> Zed. Well, I'm really going to screw you up here now because right. I uh, actually have to go work. I just got an email, but I'll finish this out. <laughs> um, oh, crap. <laughs> Look, is so, that something I said? Uh, no, no, I actually No, he's did. actually I, on call. I, I have to work. Um, so <clears throat> I'll quiz you guys. Mm-hmm. My This is the, the my third one, I guess, if I'm falling in suit with you guys. Uh, it's a horror movie. 1984, and the first scene starts out in the diner. Choosing the corn. You got it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Isaac le- looking in through the window, and yes. you know, Malachi, the waitress poisoning the people. And yes. It's terrible very cut trying they, where they slit their throats, and mm-hmm. it's like ketchup. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I thought that was worthy of being on my list. So, Give us your last two before you go. <laughs> Actually, I didn't really have the other categories done. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, but I, the other ones are just the normal ones that, um, um, you know, I hate to say it, but you got to admit Pulp Fiction's in there. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no shame in that. You uh, can't um, hate to admit that. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I'm just fantastic. saying, I would rather, I would rather pull out a history of violence. Of course, I'm proud of the children in the corn one. No, that's really good. Um, yeah, it's a solid pull. Uh, but that's what I got. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, we appreciate Thanks you Thanks for having by. me, guys. Yeah, really of course. Thank you. All right, see you. Good luck with the rest of your evening. All right. Uh, my number three, I, I had a great bit planned where I would ask Aaron if uh, he wanted a tow and let him know <laughs> that I could get him a tow. Uh, <laughs> because my number three is from uh, 1998's The Big Lebowski, um, a movie that is frequently referenced here um, and uh, a fun little uh, scene 
where uh, once again the dude is freaking out because uh, he thinks that he got um, Bunny Lebowski's toe sent to him. And Walter, cool as a cucumber, is convinced that uh, that's not her toe. And uh, again, bunch of fucking amateurs. And uh, as this movie is wont to do, a lot of uh, gratuitous use of colorful language. Mm-hmm. And um, the uh, waitress comes over <laughs> and asks them if uh, they wouldn't mind uh, keeping it down because it's a family establishment. And, of course, Walter's not happy about that. He didn't watch his buddies die face down in the mud. In the butt. Yeah, yeah to, to, be, to be told something like that. And uh, it's just another, um, one, it's a funny interaction. And, two, it's just another revealing tell of, like, how just Walter's mind works and how he's able to circle everything back to Vietnam and, um, and, and his freedom and his rights. And he's, uh, he's just enjoy his cup of coffee and, uh, you know, that, that really shows his priorities while the dude's trying to piece this whole mystery together. And, um, it's a it's a great little scene in the, in the middle of like a million great scenes in this right. movie. Yeah, it's one of those it's honestly it's a throwaway scene. Like yeah. it's one that people probably forget is in the movie. Yeah. Um but I love it and I I really enjoy cuz I feel like um those little interruptions with uh the uh the diner woman and the stranger where they're both concerned about the language. Yeah. I feel like that's supposed uh, and maybe, you know, this this could be just me reading too much into it, but I feel like it's kind of meta in the way that, you know, people aren't... Like, Coen Brothers movies don't just typically have that kind of language. No. And um, I feel like they, they're kind of, like, stepping in for the audience. Like, could you please watch your mouth? And then through the characters the Coen Brothers are saying, fuck no. So, no. Yeah. We're gonna do this. Yeah, and I might be grasping at straws, but I just I I was thinking about how you know it happens at least twice in the movie where these outsiders come in and comment on on the way that they talk. So great scene in one of my favorite movies. Well, and also I think it had to do a little bit like this movie came out. It came out after Fargo, right? All right, so like I think that this was kind of their way of saying, you know, they had a, a movie like Fargo come out with all these wholesome characters in this in this like dark dark comedy, you know what I mean? Like it was a way to, sh- you know, it, it kind of mix the the good with the bad, you know what I mean? I I. I I don't know. Like I, like you have all these, and maybe it's a way of like the way people talk and the way people perceive themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Between you know those characters like interjecting themselves in it, you know I I don't know. Um, I'm I'm thinking out loud, but anyways, uh, my number three. Um, Okay, so there, uh, in 2014, a movie I was really hoping was great, and I was kind of disappointed by, but it still, I it sticks with me because I think it's a good movie. Um, uh, the movie Nightcrawler. 
And this oh, is uh, okay. a scene where you never actually, as the, the viewer of the movie, you step inside of the movie or of the diner. Um, um, you get uh, Louis Bloom sitting outside and you have his like alter ego or his conscience of, of, um, of Rick um, uh, taking a couple steps away and, and filming from another point of view and, and being his like conscious and, and like um, and reacting to what happens inside us. And I like, I don't want to like, this gets a little bit into spoiler territory as far as like, um, how the movie progresses, but uh, suffice it to say, there's a shootout in a diner, mm-hmm. and it is m- maybe it, it's set up through nefarious ways, and it, it almost <laughs> directed, almost you could say, mm-hmm. and um, it's a it's a fascinating look at um uh, and uh, it, it's a way to get this movie into our uh, our top 5 list because we don't talk about it, or at least I don't talk about it enough because I think it is a really good movie. Yeah, I don't think really we've mentioned it. Mm-hmm. We might have were we doing uh, I don't know if we were doing the show at the time when it came out. Mm-hmm. No, I think I I, I it probably came up a, a time or two or yeah. maybe I had watched it. Yeah. Or we had watched it at that time, but um, it, it it's a it's a fascinating scene because it there there's a lot of tension built up in this scene. It's a really it's a really good scene, and and um, uh, the um, this uh, detachment that uh, Louis Bloom shows and the uh, the compassion and the helplessness that uh, his 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 uh, cohort Rick shows. In in the in the way things uh, unfold, uh, it's 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 quite fascinating. It's it's a really good movie. I I recommend people watch that. I'll I'll look and see if it's streaming. It's not know. on Netflix. Um, it was for a while. Um, but let's take a look at Amazon. Yeah, it's streaming on Amazon. So. Oh, yeah. Check out Nightcrawl if you get a chance. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's worth a watch. Yeah, it's a solid movie. Um, <clears throat> so, my number two is uh, another comedy from 1995, uh, starring uh, the, uh, the man who left us far too soon, Mr. Chris Farley and David Spade. After a uh, spat they had about a car, and... Uh, they're sitting in a diner in, in Tommy Boy. <laughs> and uh, the, uh, it's the, the, uh, some, the song playing in the background is something like someone saying sorry. And they're both just kind of sitting there in silence because they had just gotten into a huge fight that had turned physical. And, and Tommy's got the bruise across his face. And... and uh, they're they're just sitting there in silence, and then they they finally start talking a little bit, and uh, you get the not so much here or here <laughs> joke, um, <laughs> but right here, about here, yeah, and <laughs> and the uh, woman in the diner comes over, and he is able to uh, 
Tommy is able to convince her to make him, him some chicken wings, which uh, restores his confidence so that the and we can move forward with the movie and finish up the second act. And uh, I, I think it's just one of those that, like, it's got some, some very memorable lines. <laughs> um, Tommy explaining why he's a bad salesman and just destroying the, uh, the roll on the table. <laughs> <laughs> upsetting the waitress <laughs> but ultimately getting what he wants is um not only is it a, a pivot point for the plot but it's just so um it's just chris farley doing what he does best and and going over the top um while remaining true i mean the character is over the top and to begin with but he is just he's so committed to the character of tommy and, and it's just I don't know. I, I mean, it's a simple comedy, but I do think it's a really special performance from a really special comedic performer and um, a, definitely a soft spot in my heart. And that scene is just, it's one, it's well-crafted in, in the comedy, you know, comedies they could do. Uh, that's, they do that in The Godfather when uh, Luca Brasi's getting ready to, uh, I don't know. He's he's going to meet um, with someone, and he's loading his gun. And uh, I forget what Christmas song is playing, but the um, he's loading his revolver, and as he's closing the chamber, um, the last thing you hear is "Faithful Friends," and it's just yeah. the um, the attention to detail in that. That attention to detail in especially in in kind of like goofy late night comedies in the '90s was not there with the. Uh, the diner playing the uh, song. I wish I could remember what song it was. I actually yeah. don't know the title of the song, but so I wouldn't be able to find it. But mm. um, I, I think it's just a really well put together scene and a really just sweet performance from uh, Chris Farley and and David Spade yeah. too. David Spade is is great in his own right, but he um, what's that thing? He he had the uh, the good fortune of outlive outliving his legacy. So yeah. Well, yeah, and that's the the shame of it because like they they played so well off of each other, absolutely. And 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 that scene, like, I, that's that was awesome to hear you speak about it that way because like it's cool to be able to to take a movie like Tommy Boy and compare it to The Godfather and mm -hmm. and be able to wrap that up together. It's that's that's kind of that's good. That's why you get paid the big bucks, bud. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, yeah, he was, uh, those two together were really good. Uh, whether it's Tommy boy or like black sheep or on SNL or whatever it was, it's, uh, uh, they knew how to play off each other and that was uh, a special thing and yeah, it sucks. They're gone. Yeah. Of course they probably, you know, at this time, you know, if they were both still, well, yeah, if, if Chris was still alive and they were still doing those, everyone would be shitting on him, you know, just like yeah. Adam Sandler. You know, if Adam Sandler died after uh, making uh, 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 Happy Gilmore, then we, you know, we would have been revering him and yeah. being like, oh, we miss, we miss uh, Adam Sandler. He kind of did. He's, yeah, he's still with us, though. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those, that's the, the timeless... Uh, thing i mean biggie and Pac would have probably fallen off at some point or or uh yeah. i saw an, i think it was i don't know some hip-hop publication um they were saying like 
people it's it's just an inevitability um it happens i mean we're seeing it kind of happen with eminem right now jay-z had some missteps it just yeah it's, it's part of it you if you die on top you'll forever be on top yeah if you live you'll live long enough to become yeah the villain villain mm-hmm. anyways uh my number two yes um well, uh, we've been talking Kevin Smith a lot, and I'm going to go right back to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the diner scene in Chasing Amy with oh. uh, Holden and Jay and Silent Bob, where Silent Bob finally speaks up <laughs> and tells the story of Chasing Amy, the the titular story. Um, it's always good when Silent it, Bob speaks up. Yep, and uh, you know, and you you know, you can tell. Uh, this movie was just begging for Silent Bob to actually pontificate, which after this, he wouldn't stop. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, it's a really good scene. You know, uh, Ben Affleck is at his infancy as far as acting. And of course, Jay is not much of an actor at all. And Kevin Smith eh, chews up scenery, but it is a good speech and it's dialogue heavy and all that stuff. But like um, in a movie that like, you know, as far like we talked about it before, I think that as far as movies go, um, I think Red State's probably his best made movie. Mm-hmm. Clerks is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Chasing Amy is probably the most poignant. Um, has the most to say, I would say. Um, uh, just talk about relationships, and it came out of time point in time like in nineteen. Nineteen eighty ninety seven. I was twenty one years old. Um, so it, it had a lot to tell me. And, um, um, yeah, uh, this, this scene stuck with me. And it was one of those ones that, you know, um, it's not one that, uh, it's probably Kevin's one of his, oh, I mean, for me, it's his, one of his best films and, um, his, uh, his least, I mean, Red State's obviously not that fun and, and wacky but like yeah. as far as serious films like this is a serious like drama mm-hmm. you know and it's a good flick and it, it talks about relationships it comes out in that time of like singles and um you know Ooh, that uh, generation x time you know yeah and um it spoke to me so yeah it's a, it's a good scene and he tells a story of uh tells the story of chasing amy <laughs> I like it. I, uh, I, I'm a fan of that movie. I do. I, I like his first three movies best. So, yeah. Um, my number one is, uh, I was talking about layups, but I, I, my number one, I think is a little unconventional. And, uh, I, I actually think this is the first time this has come up. On the show, but from 2011, a movie called Haywire. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't seen this movie. Starring Gina Carano. Um, Michael who, Fassbender, too, right? Uh, yes, Michael Fassbender, Ewan, Ewan McGregor. McGregor. Um, oh, my God. Antonio Banderas, um, but that's not who I'm thinking of. Michael Douglas. Jeez. She, yeah. This is directed by someone like 
this is like uh, not a Cronenberg, but Soderberg. like a yeah Soderbergh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, Gina Carano is like I think she was an MMA fighter. Yes, yeah, she was. Yeah, and she um, she was most recently in uh, Deadpool. Deadpool, yeah. Maybe not most recently, but most notably in Deadpool. Um, prior to that, she was in a movie Haywire that I I really like. This movie, um, it's unfortunately it's not streaming anywhere, um, but it's uh, I don't know. It's just it's a really good action movie, and there's an opening sequence with uh, you don't know what's going on, and it's uh, I believe it's it's a snowy backdrop, and um, Gina Carano's character Mallory is in this diner, and Channing Tatum shows up, and this was kind of the transformation period for me, um, or, or where my my opinion of Channing Tatum started to kind of evolve, was here, um, where he just gets his ass handed to him by Gina Carano, and I was like, okay, this this guy's a huge star, you know. You always hear like people have these clauses where like, oh, my character can't die, I can't do this, like stipulations and stuff like that. And it's like, here's a huge like a rising star, masculine guy, and he's gonna show up on screen for very little time and just get whooped. And I was like, all right, props props to you, guy. Um, but it's just most. Almost all of this movie is um, just incredibly well choreographed, well shot, as you would probably imagine. And um, it's very, you know, uh, the the camera's close, very um, close quarters, very intimate, very um, visceral. And uh, I, th- I think it, it's just, um, this was another one of those that immediately I was like, Diner scenes, okay. This, yeah, this opening scene. Um, a lot of good opening diner scenes here. So yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. I am. Yeah, I, I. That's one of those movies that just kind of passed me by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, like, there's so many good diner scenes. Like so yeah, many. Like absolutely. when I'm doing my research on this, like you know, you go from. You know, obviously, um, the Big Lebowski to Reservoir Dogs to, uh, I mean, there's like 16 of them in Goodfellas, you know. Yeah. You know, um, the, the one that sticks out the most, but doesn't really take place in the diner. It's, you know, it takes place in a, a phone booth outside the diner. Um, you know, Back to the Future, you know, Back to the Future 2, mm-hmm. great diner scene. Um, I know you don't like this movie, but there's a, a great scene in a diner in Looper. Um, with between uh, J. Joe and or you know, and uh, Bruce Lewis, J. Joe, no, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Gojo, yeah, I think that's what whatever people call them. Uh, a good, a good, uh, in last year's Moonlight, the one of the end scenes, yeah, it's a really good that scene a in really the diner. Um, fuck, I forgot you know, about that. Uh, impactful scene and stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, one that I mean starts and ends the movie just 
fantastically and Aaron already brought it up was uh in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean it's and it, it, and we get a kind of hint we get a, a a glimpse into Tarantino's twisted mind and how he wants to tell a story. Mm. And you know the way you know how it starts the movie and it it starts the movie crazily, you know with uh the two sitting, you know, yeah. eye to eye talking to each other and then you know you get the opening music, and then and then later on you get, you know, um, uh, Samuel Jackson and, and John Travolta sitting in mm-hmm. aw- awkward clothing, and it just it just like I, I wish I could sit in that diner and be like and witness all the things that happened in that. It's just it's absolutely, uh, and the dialogue that goes on inside of it. It's just it's. You know, uh, I think a diner is a good cheat to have good dialogue, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a it's a place where, you know, everyone eats. You know, everyone pees, everyone eats. And we don't always get to see that in movies. And, you know, um, I think good directors, good writers find places to, uh, uh, natural places to put those dialogues in and, and, and make it a good, uh, uh, a natural place to do it. And, and he... He crafted this whole uh, universe around this one little diner, and I bet you could tell a whole whole movie mm-hmm. in this in this diner. And it, it's just a, such a great, uh, great bookends to a, a great movie. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, a reason it's a. Um, I don't know. There's there's a reason that um, people remember that scene yeah or the the diner scenes like it's just it uh i don't know it's uh, i don't know i'm at the risk of just repeating myself i'll just i'll just stop short (laughs) yeah no i mean it's it's um you know and you have to be a good writer to do it and you have to be a good director to to pull it off and it um and you know at the risk of being, you know, then you know, being cliche because those are the things that like stick out in your head. You're like, what's the first diner scene you think of? Is like her standing on this on the top of the 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 table and says, you know, don't any of you motherfuckers move. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a worthwhile. Uh, why not? Yeah, no, I, and um, like you were to circle back to what you were saying about um, like it being, it being a good natural backdrop because everyone, everyone eats. It's a great place to um, flesh out your characters and, and uh, without having to like bog them down with like expositional dialogue or something like that. You can just have them kind of in their natural state. And, and I think it's something <coughs> people can relate to like sitting down and having a meal with one person, three people, five people, you know, and um, it's one of those things where uh, it's everyone recognizes the situation and simple conversations like, um, you know, walking the earth like Kane and Kung Fu, like that all that rings so true, like because yeah. so many of us have been in those situations. So. Yeah. And uh, like a movie like Driver, mm-hmm. you know, that, I mean, some of that takes place in the diner, yeah. you know, and. You know, good stuff. Uh, Baby Driver. 
this year. Yeah. You know, there's some great scenes that take place in there. It's just fun. You know, um, I just like pretty much not every movie, but like a lot of movies have good diner scenes. And like, yeah, there's a reason for it, I guess. But I'm going to give you a count of 10 to get your ugly yellow. No good keister off my property. Two. 